0: Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Clark and I are in the studio or we're we're visually and audioly and or Audio, we're visually and Audibly. Audibly. That's the one. Available, available to you today in Mark chapter 8. We're talking about one of my favorite topics right away bread. <laughs> Let's jump in.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are wherever you are. Uh, the beginning of Mark 8 is the feeding of the 4,000. And why this is so significant is this mirrors another miracle that Jesus has already done the feeding of the 5,000. Oh, yes. That's now, why this is so important is the feeding of the 5,000 was with a Jewish community. After he fed the 5,000, there were 12 basketfuls left over. A lot of of people think this was a nod to not only the 12 disciples, like understanding that God is everything and more for them. He's everything they need. Mm. But also it's kind of signifying like, hey, the 12 tribes of Israel to the Jewish people, Jesus is everything you need and more. Mm. So after this now, Jesus goes across the lake to the other side, and it's the Gentile side. And so when you read the the feeding of the Mm 4,000, they have seven basketfuls left over. Right. Again, it doesn't say this... uh, outrightly, but a lot of people think that this also has significant significance. Mm. If you go back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 7 verse 1, the the 12 tribes of Israel, God's people, are looking to go into the promised land, but they had faced opposition, and the opposition were these groups of people. Count with me. The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. If you didn't count, that's seven. Seven tribes stood in between the way of the 12 trying to get into the promised land. Another fun fact, or factoid, as Bobby Jean's favorite word I is. I haven't
0: said that in a long time because you continually since, since tell me that about I say it. it.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, we go to Acts 13. They're retelling the gospel story, retelling the story of the Old Testament people being redeemed by God, moving into the promised land. And They said God overthrew the seven nations of Canaan. Right. In addition to mm. this, when you go earlier in Acts and God's people um, were trying to figure out how do you take care of the people who are in need, mm-hmm. they they bring in and ordain deacons, and how many right. deacons they ordain? Right, seven. Seven, because the Hellenistic, the the Greek, the worldly you know people that are coming to faith needed someone to look after them, yeah. and so it's like God is saying, "Hey, I left twelve basketfuls left over for the Jewish people, so you know I'm everything you need and more." Mm-hmm. And now for the Gentile people who think maybe this is like seven's a number of their world, whatever. I'm for them as well. Yeah. And that's what God's getting at. So if you're looking at your Bible specifically, it's verses like eight and nine. It says, Mm. the people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 people were present after he had sent them away. People show up. They're looking for a sign. And Jesus Mm. sighed and deeply said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, I love, before we move on to the people asking for a sign, I think we overlook, I don't, that's like actually a huge observation to note that there was 12 basketfuls and not just that it was leftovers, but this specific number, again, like the Bible's not putting, we're not receiving this information from John Mark as kind of just a random, um, you know, a little, here's a little info about how many were left over. No, it's actually really purposeful like yeah, you're saying if
1: you put in there it's for a reason. Yes,
0: and then the same thing with the 7. So just to reflect on that that Jesus like the messaging there is Jesus saying like I'm I'm here for the the people of God who have you know, been looking for a Messiah for this long, but I'm also here for people who haven't been looking. I'm more than enough Mm -hmm. for both these communities. And so that is so significant. I feel like as I sit with that and just, wow, thank you God for that in the Bible and for this revelation that we can sit in and and understand that you're more than enough. And the Jewish people though, don't think that because they're like, show us again, show us again. We want more bread. We want you to, you know, wow us with more miracles. We want you to show Mm -hmm. and kind of prove yourself and, and entertain us and it's that kind of appetite for Ooh,
1: just... Uh, appetite. I know, bread. because we're
0: talking about bread. Oh. <laughs> wordsmith.
1: So, I like it. Um,
0: that is never going to be satisfied. It's never satisfied. And Jesus knows that. And yeah. that's why he's saying, you, you don't understand. You're not seeing what's going on. And this is actually part of a bigger movement that's happening in the book of Mark. Because... Yeah. In the book of Mark there's a movement in these first chapters that you see how everybody's wowed like oh there's all these you know Jews and non-Jews Jews and Gentiles that are they're wowed and they're amazed by the miracles and they and then we see that, that they don't understand. Yeah. And so Jesus has to come back and explain and really what's happening is he's kind of um already starting to whittle out and help like the himself but even the crowds understand like what it's going to take to follow him um and that continues here as we as we move from now the crowds
1: to the disciples yeah the disciples are confused yes they're not getting it
0: and so that's one thing that happens here it's starting in verse 14 really through verses 21 21 where jesus is saying he's kind of reiterating that i'm god for the the people of Israel, and for the people mm-hmm. who have generations of faith, and I'm also God for the people who are new and incoming. And the disciples <clears throat> are they're just kind of needing a little bit ex, ex, more explanation. Yep. So right here in verse 19, when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls? Like we just said, and verse 20, and when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls did we pick up? And they answered seven. And he is asking them, do you do you <laughs> understand? Yeah, (laughs) Like no. And so we're going to see in the next story um, how the healing of the blind man at Bethsaida is actually such a huge story to understand, because it's not just about a healing of a blind man. It's really about our understanding of Jesus as God and seeing it through the disciples lens. Mm -hmm. And it's it's, it's It's, going to take time. It's what the
1: theologians call the Markin sandwich. (laughs) So I don't know if you're a Jersey Mike's kind of guy or a Subway kind of gal. But they have this thing called the Marken Sandwich where Mark writes and he writes with a method of making like point A. Then he'll tell another story, yeah. point B, to support point A. And then he'll tell another story that's like point A. So it's like A, B, A. Bread, meat, bread. And in it, he's talking about like, don't you guys see and understand like what's happening here? Don't you understand the east of the Pharisees? or like, what's happening? Right. Well, then he actually gets to a story literally about a blind guy having eyesight to see. Yeah. And what's so interesting about this story is that when you look in verse 23, Jesus prays and heals mm-hmm. this man. And he asks him, Do you see anything? And the guy looks up and he's like, I see people. They look like trees walking around, which is curious because I mm-hmm. wonder how he knew what a tree what looked is tree- like. Yeah. Hmm, yeah interesting. And then after that, Jesus says, Once more, Jesus put his hand up again and prayed. Then his eyes were open. His eyesight mm-hmm. was restored. He saw everything clearly. Mm-hmm. It's like, what an odd story. Right. So I think this is really profound for us for two reasons. One, Jesus shows us that um, even the most significant and difficult of cases, one, he can overcome. Right. But two, be persistent in your prayer life hmm. because they prayed right away and there wasn't a full and complete healing. Right. And I don't think it's because Jesus would, like didn't pray well enough or he wasn't strong enough or godly enough. It wasn't any of that. It was almost like him showing us, don't give up. Yeah. Because healings can be gradual. Oh, Um, yeah. And so sometimes there is the miraculous healing with one prayer. Sometimes it takes 5,000. Sometimes God works in ways we didn't even expect, and even ways outside of our hopes and dreams Mm -hmm. when we pray the 1,000 to 10,000 prayers. But here, be persistent in your prayers. He is modeling to his disciples, don't give up. Prayed once, vision wasn't clearly restored pray again. Yeah. Let's keep going. And then the, the second piece to this though, is that the right. the blind man's healing occurs in between two examples of the disciples' blindness.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like,
1: Don't you guys see the 12 and the seven basketfuls left over? Yeah. Don't you see the yeast of the Pharisees? You're still not getting mm-hmm. this? Like, come on. And then he gets to this next section verses like 31 through 33. And he basically asked him again, like, Well, who do you say that I am? Right. Do you see who I am? Do you see what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. So we'll get to it. You want to read verses 31 through 33 for us and we'll be on the same page.
0: He then began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed. And after three days rise again. Hmm. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. (laughs) When Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, Hmm. he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Everybody's
1: getting rebuked.
0: So just like in the in the beginning of the chapter, when we see these large groups of people, they don't understand that um, the Messiah has come to satisfy them. So they continue to ask to be entertained. So it is with the disciples where they're, they're understanding that Jesus is special and unique. And Peter even understands that, you know, he is the Messiah, but their idea of Messiah is wrong. Yeah. Their idea of, you know, what the Messiah should do and who the Messiah should, um, become or be is still more, um, more just tainted by their human. That's what Jesus is rebuking him here for his, his own just human
1: earthly perspective. Yes. Yeah.
0: And so it's huge right now because this is about like 50% of the way through the book of Mark. And Jesus, there is a turning of the tide happening where Jesus yeah. is saying like, this is this is who I am. This is what's going to happen. I'm, we're heading to Jerusalem. Um, I'm going to
1: die. I'm going to suffer many things. Mm-hmm. And so. And what's interesting is Peter interjects here. He's trying to like divert Jesus from the father's plan. From the mission. Yeah. And Jesus <laughs> rebukes him back. it's like, hey, easy mm-hmm. up, buddy. Like, no, get behind me, Satan, which. I can't imagine what was running Some through Peter. head heart. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you calling me that? But what's interesting is if you go back to the, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, kind of the genesis of his public ministry, he goes out into the wilderness led by the Spirit, and he is tempted by Satan. By yeah. Satan. And if you pay attention to Luke's version of it in, in verse 13, it says, after the devil had finished all this tempting, he left Jesus until an opportune time. Everybody thinks like this is the opportune time. I don't know if, if Peter was oppressed by Satan or being manipulated by Satan. I don't know hmm. to what extent uh, Peter was being used right, right at this right. point because Jesus straight up calls him, hey, like get behind me, Satan. And it's as if at this time Jesus was being tempted to, again, divert his attention from the cross to something else
0: something else or yeah it's like maybe way. a
1: revolution against Rome or some kind of earthly means right and so again I don't know if Je- I don't think Satan fully was aware of what Jesus was doing uh, I think he obviously had a plan Satan probably was aware of the prophecies throughout the Old Testament uh, Genesis 3 the the covenant and the mm-hmm. promise and the curse that hey the heel of man's gonna strike the serpent's head but when you read Paul's writing in first Corinthians 2 verse 8 it says if Satan had known what Jesus was going to accomplish right. by going to the cross and dying, he would have done everything he could to stop Jesus from getting killed. Yeah, Because once Jesus went there, died, resurrected, the spirit that raised Christ, that is now in every Christian. I've yeah. always joked about this. It's like playing whack-a-mole. Satan tries to get Jesus and more Christians pop up. Yeah. And then he persecutes the church and the church spreads like wildfire. It just grows. And so that's what is happening right now. Satan wasn't aware of what's happening and Jesus yeah. is saying, like, hey, get behind me, Peter. I'm on mission. This plan has been set forth since before the beginning of time. Yeah. Really. And we're gonna save you from your greatest problem, which yeah. is which is sin.
0: And then he continues, and the chapter kind of concludes with a call of understanding to how it's its actually not just going to be Jesus in this way of mm. a cruciform lifestyle ending. This is the call for all who follow Jesus, for everyone that's a disciple of his. And so <clears throat> I'll read kind of the, the last few verses here, but... Again, it's like a missing piece of understanding for the disciples. Like, wait a second, we're going to have a Messiah. Like our, our hero is going to die? Like the hero yeah. of our story? Like, no, 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 that's not who you are. That's not why you came. So this is verse 34. We'll read a couple of them. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, so the crowd and the disciples, let's make a clarifying point here. Mm-hmm. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and mm. for the gospel will save it. And so this is the um, this is the antithesis antithesis of what success and winning and victory even today like this is one of those verses that it just shatters across all time when we look at what it means to be a christian even like even convincing people into the christian faith where it's like oh no accept jesus you're gonna you're gonna prosper and you're gonna live a great life And, and 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 these these are things like you know jesus himself says like to have a full life is to have life in me yeah yes but that's our Image and our projection of that is not the projection that Jesus gives us. The projection that g- Jesus gives us is we are rich in His presence. We are rich in His grace. We are rich uh, because we have eternity with Him. It's not um, earthly possessions. It's not while these things are well and good. Mm-hmm. That's not the promise of Jesus. The promise is Jesus' is life is going to be hard, and I, and I'm going to be with you in it. But you're going to need to de- deny yourself. Yeah. And just like I get up on a cross, and and I um. And, and I, and I rise again each day while I meet you with new mercies, you're going to get on a cross. You're going to carry your cross. You're going to, you're going to die to yourself. You're going to live a life of self-denial unto me. And so the disciple really, this is like a, just kind of, I can imagine being in the moment sitting there and kind of like, I've given, we've talked about this before. Like I've given all that I am to you. I've Mm -hmm. left my family. I, my reputation is gone. Like it's shot. Um, I've experienced amazing things and I've, and I've seen, you know, miracles happen. And now I'm kind of wondering what's going on. Yeah. (laughs) I I I just think about when,
1: when we (laughs) invite people to follow Jesus and people Mm -hmm. like the spirits working in their life, I'm trying to be more brutally honest with like what that, what Jesus Jesus asks of you. Yeah. And again, it's not just like these happy emotions right now, which Mm -hmm. people usually are pretty excited But it's often when we come to the end of our rope and like everything of the world hasn't satisfied, right? it hasn't like, um, brought satisfaction to what we're looking for, lasting joy. It's like, I need help. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Hey, if you want this, if you want him, it's going to require you laying aside all these other worldly things. It's not like you can't have dreams and desires and goals but those can't be worshiped. Those can't be number one. Yeah, It's got to be the Lord. And that's yeah. kind of how he ends in yeah. verses 36 and 37. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Mm-hmm. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And in this, he's basically like, your greatest need is your, is your sin being um, healed and cured. And the world has yeah. nothing to offer you for that. Mm-hmm. Only a relationship with Jesus can. So, um, as you unpack Mark, and I, right now we're in the mid, literally 50% of the way through. Jesus is dropping these heavy, true statements because this is why He came. This
0: time's coming. And yeah.
1: Every word and every letter of this chapter and this book is relevant for us today, as we think about this. What does it look like for me to deny myself and pick up my cross? Yeah. Where have I been blinded by the world, my life, the mission that God's called me to, and right. again, caught up with other things? It's like, all right, Lord, thank you for the mark and sandwich. Thank you, Jesus, for saying clearly who you are and why you came, because we really need that. So, thank you for joining us for Mark chapter 8. We're uh, excited to go the rest of the way with you and uh, climb the, the last 50% of the hill looking at the Gospel of Mark, and we hope that you'll join us for Mark chapter 9 tomorrow. God bless you. Talk to you soon.